electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod, and I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. On today's episode, a lot of letters and one very big deal. WME buying WWE to combine with UFC. I mean, OMG. WWE's fighting chance. The CNBC reporter who broke the story, Alex Sherman. There's a lot of really big personalities now involved in this company. Dana White is a big personality. Vince McMahon is a big personality. Ari Emanuel is a big personality. I mean, the boardroom meetings may be, you know, worth uh, televising. And Senator Joe Manchin is fed up. He's talking debt limit, inflation reduction, and finding middle ground. Now, all of a sudden, there is no reasonable, responsible, sensible middle with the extremes of the party, both Democrat and Republican. And that's what I don't believe in, and that's what I'm pushing against. Those conversations, but first, labor issues at Starbucks and at McDonald's, and OPEC surprises everyone with cuts to production, which complicates things here in the U.S. This is inflationary. It could mean that the Fed has to stay higher for longer on things, too. So this has a lot of ripple impacts. It's Monday, April 3rd, 2023, and Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one, cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin, who is back. Welcome back, Andrew. Thank you. Good it's, to see you. Anything happened last week? A uh, few things here and there. A couple. A few things. Not Calm like down. what might happen this week. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. This really is alphabet soup. Live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square, WME buying WWE to combine with UFC, I mean, OMG. I mean, do we never need to, um, we don't well, need to, Very nice. WTF, Very nice. man. Very I mean, nice. this is, uh, this, Can you right? do the rest of the show in three-letter? Uh, I'm going to, could we, could we, is that what it's come to? We're going to talk about OPEC. You know who really can do that? Young people. And they say things that they, I don't know a lot of them, and I look them up. I, I and they're good. Too. A lot of them are good. I'm Joe Kernan. LOL. LOL. L-R-O-T-F-L-M-F-A-O. But the real story, crude oil prices, which are jumping after OPEC Plus announced that it was slashing output by 1.16 million barrels a day. Saudi Arabia called this move a precautionary measure that's targeted towards stabilizing the oil market. This came as a big surprise to people everywhere. Those cuts will start in May. They will last until the end of the year. Oil prices had tumbled last month and through the quarter as traders feared that the banking route could dent global economic growth. You have to think that that is what the Saudis were thinking, too. If you check out the major energy companies this morning, you will see gains across the board. Chevron's up by 3.6 percent. ConocoPhillips, 3.5. Exxon, 3.3. BP and Occidental each up by more than 4 percent. What guys, anybody who thought that this meant the... Uh, this is inflationary. It could mean that the Fed has to stay higher for longer on things, too. So this has a lot of ripple impacts. They're not our friends because we, we didn't know this was coming. And we asked them not to do the last 
cut, which they did. Look, they saw oil prices. WTI for the quarter was down by 5.7%. It was a huge decline. Expectations of potential for a recession. Um, also probably had them worrying it was going to go even lower. Things get really bad. We've got like four barrels left in the SPR. So we could always, uh, I think we got, we have a look. Did we? Did you see, on Friday I saw we didn't they, buy they, were, any, they were thinking about buying Why didn't we buy Friday. some back? Uh, we didn't do it. And was there something precluding us from, do we have to wait to buy it back or something? Because so. it was below 70 for a while. Yeah. Definitely. And, they, and they, the administration had originally said they'd refill it if it fell below 70. Gas price. I haven't, you know, it's like three bucks for yeah. if you pay cash. I can't look, believe I pay cash. I mean, I, I do it on purpose. And sometimes you got to get change. And it's like 10 cents a gallon if you pay. I, you know, we, they're not like our why friends. Why are they away? doing this? But at the same time, why would they give us something for cheaper? You know, we, we expect you to take a cut. You're our friends, so we expect you to supply it for us for cheaper. But it's odd that, you know, we thought that the Russian moves would make oil tight for a while. And they're doing this in response to what's really right. over, an oversupply. And you see Japan is paying above the, the cap price for a lot of oil, buying Russian oil above. And we're like letting it go. But people do, countries do what they got to do, it seems. Well, like. everybody's up for themselves. Right. Exactly, even if you're a country. It is now official. Endeavor announcing WWE and UFC will combine to form a $21 billion global live sports and entertainment company. Ari Emanuel will be the new company's CEO, while Vince McMahon will be the executive chairman. Under the terms of the deal, existing WWE shareholders will roll all existing equity into the new company. The newly public company will be 51% owned by Endeavor and listed on the NYSE. McDonald's is temporarily closing its U.S. offices. It's like corporate offices this week as it prepares to inform uh, corporate employees about layoffs, the Wall Street Journal report, citing an internal email that told U.S. employees and some international staff to work from home Monday through Wednesday of this week so it can deliver staffing decisions virtually. McDonald's hasn't disclosed the number of employees uh, who will be uh, laid off. Um, I, when, when I first saw it, and my son messaged me because we do go occasionally, and I always joke, no, we can't go today. It's closed. So we mess it. It's not the it's not the McDonald's. It's corporate offices. The drive-throughs are intact. They remain open. So I liked what you said at the top. Cowards. Oh yeah, stay home. We got some. <laughs> yeah. That's we don't like see uh, one person when who, we let you off. Someone broke up with like a long time. Um, I don't know the girlfriend. Or, yeah. Well, who was it? it? Was it was Charlize Theron who ghosted Sean Penn, right? Just like, forget it. You don't exist anymore. That's cold. Yeah. That's cold, but it's that's, easier. That's hard to do. Easier, with employee, though. Yeah, but stay home because I don't want to tell you in person. Well, no, but the whole world has moved to this weird place where half the people aren't home, half the people are. I mean, half the people are at the office, half the people aren't. It's not. It. I've been talking to a lot of HR people over the time, not about this specific instance, but others. Well, we've had this conversation about people firing people and how do you do it and how do you do it in a world where everybody's not at the office all the time. One of the bad things it is, is, is stay it, home because we, we want to text you. But when you used to leave the office, if you'd get an email like on a Saturday or Sunday, it'd be like, hey, you know, I'm not in the office. I actually thought about that over the weekend because I was, you know, Mansion was doing all this. Stuff. I said, we should have Mansion. So I said, I'm like, where are these people? You know, I'm, I'm texting you about Mansion. Why? And they have to answer because I was thinking, wow. Can you do that on a weekend? Can you expect people yes, to Yes, you can, respond? and that's what's happened to the yeah. world. Because of the remote. Yeah. You just, you just. 24-7, right? 
I guess it is. is. That's, that's what I thought. It's like, wait a minute. They do everything from home anyway, so they can do all this stuff from home, right? Even though it's, you know, uh, live by the sword, die by the sword, I guess. Starbucks uh, has now fired Alexis Rizzo. That's the employee responsible for trying to ignite that Starbucks Workers United campaign. The move coming, of course, just days now after former CEO Howard Schultz testified on Capitol Hill about the coffee chain's alleged union busting, at least that was the allegation that was made. Rizzo worked as a shift supervisor for seven years, and she served as a union leader at the Genesee Street Store in uh, Buffalo, which was one of the first two stores in the country to win its union campaign. In an interview, Rizzo told CNBC her store managers fired her after she finished working her shift on Friday. They told her it was because she had been late on four occasions. She says in two of those instances she had been late uh, by only one minute. A Starbucks spokesman telling CNBC that Rizzo had missed more than four hours of work over the course of those instances. And Rizzo said that she is going to fight for her job and wants to be reinstated. So the, the drama over Starbucks and the union continues. If she was only late on one Is there a car? Do you punch in? I guess. I don't know. If, how would if you you're know late if by a minute, someone's like, how do you miss four hours? By the way, now, do, do you know how a lot of them work? Oh. Uh, some people are now doing GPS. So when you oh. come in with, in, in like, ring-fenced into an area. Now, I don't know about Starbucks, but I'm saying Interesting. this yeah. has happened in restaurants, <clears throat> it's happening in factories, so people actually don't have to um, what if punch you in. don't have and you don't, you don't I, get counted as showing up for work? I suspect there's I another, I suspect there's another way to... Uh, no, I occasionally forget my phone. I suspect probably. there's another way to do it, you know, for those when your battery doesn't work. Same thing, like, you know, if you go to the airport and your phone is, cannot be the boarding pass, you can print one out. I'm sure that they have options for it. Cheese will be next. Coming up on Squawk Pod, the ways of Washington. Senator Joe Manchin on inflation, energy, and the debt limit. We have to make an attempt to pay down debt and start showing people we're serious about the crippling debt that we've incurred. He's fed up with both parties. And he says he's not the only one. You still Democrat? Joe, I'm not a Washington Democrat. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Good morning. Welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ Market Set in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin, along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. And our next guest uh, recently wrote an op-ed for the Wall Street Journal entitled uh, Biden's Inflation Redu- Reduction Act Betrayal. There it is right there. Uh, and the piece argues that unelected bureaucrats inside the administration are subverting the true goals of that law and working in a partisan way to increase spending on their own priorities. And joining us now, a West Virginia Democrat 
Senator Joe Manchin. It was uh, it was calmly written, Senator, and, and welcome. It's great to have you on. It's calmly written, Good but I, I, I could detect a little bit of, uh, I'm not sure, how would you characterize it? That you weren't happy uh, about uh, some of the recent developments. That's, uh, that's, that's to say the least, I wasn't happy. The president and all of his, all of his uh, uh, members of his uh, cabinet, they knew exactly why we proceeded with the IRA, Inflation Reduction Act. After the BBB was killed, which was an over, overreach as far as I was concerned, it would have been uh, catastrophic as far as throwing that much more money into the marketplace and also changing the psychic and social uh, services we were going to be giving to people. And, uh, you know, I just simply said I couldn't do that. And then come back and do something such as this. Well, this was this was really instigated by what Russia did in, in the war on Ukraine and using uh, uh, energy as a, as a weapon, Joe. And so I said, we've got to do something energy. We weren't energy independent. We weren't energy secured at that time. The administration had been moving away from the dependable, reliable fossil, which our country needs until we have the new. Uh, you know, the new energy of the future that's going to be replaced. But you can't eliminate something before you can have something to replace it with. So I said, we have to produce more fossil in the cleanest way possible while we're investing in the new technologies of the future. We talked about all of this. We have to start paying down our debt, and we have to make an attempt to pay down debt and start showing people we're serious about the crippling debt that we've incurred. And that we did that first time in 20 years. And also we can bring down the cost of drugs sensibly and reasonably and put caps on insulin. A lot of good things that we could do in that. We all agreed. Everybody agreed, Joe. And then all of a sudden, I said, the most important thing is we should not be reliant on the foreign supply chain that we have no control over. And they were wanting to move to electric vehicles quicker than I thought any way possibly that we could and be able to provide a source and security that we would be able to manufacture in America. So we start putting that bill together. Nobody knew about it because I never thought they would ever pass it or accept it. That started in late March. And by June, things had gone, gotten a lot worse with the war, gotten worse with inflation. It gotten worse with the cost of uh, gasoline and energy cost uh, for people. So then we started talking again and we all come to an agreement. That's what we would do. So I said, why should we be dependent on China for our batteries when we can produce them ourselves? Why should we be held hostage, Joe, for securing our critical minerals that we need when we have other of ourselves in, in the United States, which we hadn't gotten a permit to do anything here for a long time to get lithium or different precious you know, critical minerals that we needed, and also Canada. And then we went to our free trade agreement country, so it would be a secured supply chain. All that was agreed upon. And as soon as they started implementing it, they didn't hit their goals by January 1. They were supposed to have rules out. And then they started liberalizing, if you will, so they could get more product out, get more money away. Uh, I'm, I'm not encouraged about all of this at all, and I'll do everything I can to prevent it from happening. Yeah, and you, you actually take it to, to what this means for our overall debt picture, too. Uh, and I haven't seen many people in your party. It's a pretty solidified Democratic Party. But for you to say... Okay, the Republicans should not threaten otherwise that we're going to do this debt right. ceiling. But then you go on to say, do you really think that there's no room to negotiate? And you're really urging President Biden and, in my view, taking 
Speaker McCarthy's side in this. As a Democrat, when he wrote that letter a week and a half, two weeks ago, where he said, you know, there's things that we can do. It's, it's insane not to negotiate with $32 trillion of debt. It's insane not to try to negotiate. We're not going to, you know, the debt ceiling is going to get passed. It's going to get done. But sit down and negotiate with us. And you're telling the president he needs to do that because it's not going to happen now. They're far apart, Senator. Yeah. Well, Joe, first of all, the only side we all should be taking is the side of our country, the American side. It's not one side over the other, but it makes common sense that if you have a debt structure, and we've accumulated more debt in the last decade, and definitely since 20, since the, in 20 years, two decades, than ever in the history of our country, other than World War II. So not to sit down and say, how do we get so much accumulate, so much debt so quick? Can't we look and see if we can stop that, basically, and go back to some normal times? Put about 6 to $8 trillion of new debt on since COVID. We understand that. I think we threw in more than we probably needed to, but whatever, it is what it is. Can we go back to some normal times and basically look at sweeping some accounts that haven't been haven't been used yet? All these things that we've talked about, and I'm thinking that Joe Biden that I know has always been willing to sit down and talk. He's always been a person who led the charge in the Senate when he was here. And and what I've been told, I didn't serve with, with him during that period of time, but no. I was a governor at that time, and he would always sit down and work deals out. And when I was in the Senate and he was vice president, he was the one that negotiated deals. Now, all of a sudden, saying we can't talk, someone's basically telling him, oh, no, politically, we're in good shape. Let's make them play their hand out. The only hand that's going to be playing out here is the uncertainty of us hitting a debt ceiling and not being able to settle that beforehand. And that shouldn't happen. We all know we're going to pay our debts. We all know that we're going to secure the good faith of, of, of our, uh, of our uh, treasury. We're going to do that. And but can't you at least say, hey, can we basically just put a cap on what we're expending as far as in, in, in our, in Senator, our you, spending? Yeah. You go as far as to say that, you know, let's have the and you, you started saying it here. Let's have the interests of the country in mind, not the interests of extremists in our party. And I, I, I mean, that, that that's a loaded point that you're making there. And there are, I guess, a lot of, of Republicans that has been the criticism that, that President Biden is not the President Biden that you would have uh, known when he was a senator if you hadn't been a governor, that, that he is mainly appeasing extreme, that, that side, that wing of the party with a lot of the things he's done. Well, I think the president knows that I think that, that, that he's been pulled too far left in some of the decisions. Joe, you cannot run this country from the extremes. I think the extreme right, the Tea Party's taking them too far to the right, the grand old party isn't quite as grand as she was at one time, and the Democratic Party, the solid Democratic Party that I grew up with and what I believed in is not that party today. We've right. been extreme. Okay, they're picking Are you a Democrat, people, Senator? Are you still a Democrat? And, and I'm not a, Joe, I'm not a Washington Democrat, and I've got a lot of friends yeah. and I'm associated. Did you leave the, the Democratic Republican. Party or did they leave you? Well, I think basically both parties have left our tradition of what we were and what we have been and how we built this great country. We've all been able to identify a problem. We had different methods of uh, solving that problem, but we could always come back to the reasonable, responsible, sensible middle. Now, all of a sudden, there is no reasonable, responsible, sensible middle with the extremes of the party, both Democrat and Republican. And that's what I don't believe in, and that's what I'm pushing against. I think there's people like myself, they're just tired and fed up. They can't take any more, Joe. They're worn out every day. It's some crisis. 
you know, and, and we continue down this path of making everything a crisis when it shouldn't be a crisis. We've accumulated the debt. Let's pay it. Let's make sure we don't repeat it. We've paid down debt for the first time with the Inflation Reduction yep. Act. Now they're beating the, the crap out of trying to put more money out to put us back where we came from. Senator, you, you know, uh, Speaker McCarthy's got some, some members of his caucus that have him in a, in a certain, I don't know whether they have him over a barrel, but he, you know, he has to listen to a lot of different people. Yeah. And then you've got the president, and we see what, what he's been saying, just, you know, there's no room for negotiation whatsoever. With a little bit of uh, tremors in the financial sector, you see what happens. You can imagine what a sure. debt ceiling issue would, would do to the financial markets. How is this going to play out? There's not that much time left, Senator, and both sides seem like they're really dug in. So, I mean, I, I appreciated your, your op-ed piece, but I still don't see any, uh, any resolution that, that looks Joe, like I'm, I'm talking, yeah, I'm talking to people on both sides of the aisle. Somebody's got to come forth, and I think we can do that and put something forth. Everyone's afraid to say anything because they say, well, what are you going to cut? So what, how can we weaponize trying to get your financial house in order and use it against you in the political uh, election next year? And uh, only in America do you start the next election a day after the last election. I can't believe that. And next of all, we got to do our job this year. We know 2024 is going to be a high stakes election year. But can't we get through 2023 and put our house in order, stabilize things? That's all we're trying to do, Joe. And, 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 and you'll make saying. a decision. You, I, I saw in some of the weekend shows you said it's a possibility for you to seek national office. You said you, you won't, won't think about uh, that till the end of this year. And I guess there's a lot that might happen between now uh, and the end of this year. But well, it's going to happen in the next 48 uh, hours. In the next 48 hours. But I don't think people in either party are that enamored maybe with the current choices. Do you think there's a place for... Uh, for a while, I thought you made people mad on both sides. You made Republicans mad when you finally went into the area. You made the Democrats mad now. And so I don't that might be just what we need, though, is someone that makes both sides mad. But you know, the, the thing of it is, I truly believe there is a silent majority that's starting to rumble about, wait a minute, can't you do your job? Can't you get the budget done on time? Joe, just doing our budget process. Here's how it works. Andrew and Becky, you, uh, they uh they all know this. By February, I think by the 1st of February, 15th of February, the president's supposed to have his budget out by law. By April the 1st, the Senate's supposed to have their budget. By April the 15th, the Senate and Congress are supposed to have a negotiated reconciliation. By September 30th, we're supposed to pass the budget on time. Joe, just doing that saves billions and billions of dollars. Just doing our job on time. We've right. never done that for so many years. I don't recall when the last time it was done. But just doing things, put a cap on, on our spending. On discretional spending means what well, we have a cho- choice. We make choices of how we're going to spend additional money. Can't we at least say we're not going to grow that more than 1% a year for the next 10 years? Put a cap sort of on that. That saves trillions of dollars. No one even wants to talk about that. And then they're saying, oh, the big, the big elephant in the room is Social Security and Medicare. We're not going to cut Social Security and Medicare. But we better find a way to stabilize it because in the next decade, people in West Virginia who are depending on that as their lifeline are going to be in trouble. And I don't want them cut because we want to make sure they still have it stable. So, Joe, I'm trying everything I can. But that rumbling, let me tell you the rumbling that I'm hearing. Wait a minute. Isn't there? Can't we do something better? Can't we force these sides out of their respective corners and come back and make some decisions that help our country? And no one's talking about that. We're demonizing everything. 
and we're rewarding bad behavior. Oh, you are, and uh, we'll, we'll always have Davos, Senator, but uh, <laughs> now, now you've been on here, and, it, it, and we want to see you in studio. And you're talk when you're speaking to the Squawk audience, you're speaking to, to, to people you need to reach, Senator. So it's good Well, to, these good people need, let me tell you, the people we're reaching right now, Joe, need to speak up. They're the ones feeding the beast. They're the ones feeding yeah, the beast. That's true. Until they demand more, Andrew, right. let me tell you, we're not going to get any changes. All right. Senator, thank you. Thanks, Senator. As I said, great, great to have you on. Hope to see you again soon. Yeah. And as I said, okay, in studio, there's a place right here. Up next on Squawk Pod, a winning fight. Endeavor is betting on the world wrestling entertainment business. We check in with Alex Sherman, the CNBC reporter who broke the big news in the ring. I have a feeling that it probably was the best deal for shareholders that was on the table. I mean, the from what I had heard, a lot of the other potential buyers here, which were large media companies, basically said, we're not interested. We'll be right back. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. With the help of T-Mobile for Business, our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. You're listening to Squawk Pod. So earlier, Joe, Becky, and Andrew mentioned World Wrestling Entertainment, or WWE, has found a buyer, an Endeavor, the publicly traded parent company of UFC. Now, there are a lot of characters and tangential scandals in this story, so I'm going to break it down for you. Endeavor is run by Ari Emanuel. That's character one. Ari, thank you for coming in. I don't know how you guys do it. (laughs) He's been on CNBC fair few times over the years, including today with Scott Wapner talking about this deal. Why the WWE? He decided not to body slam me. After it all goes through, UFC and WWE will form a new company, 51% owned by Endeavor. Ari Emanuel will be the chief exec of both the new company and his existing company, Endeavor. And the whole thing values WWE at over $9 billion. On to character number two, Vince McMahon, current chairman of WWE and staying on as executive chairman at the newly formed company. He and Ari Emanuel teamed up in business and also for that CNBC interview with Scott Wapner. But some weren't sure McMahon would ever give up a majority stake of WWE. Up until this deal, it's been a family-run business. McMahon bought the company from his father in the 80s and essentially turned it into the global phenomenon it is today. It's a great day. You know, things have to evolve. Family, business, it all has to evolve for all the right reasons. And this is the right business decision. Thus far, it's the right family decision. McMahon was originally the CEO, but he retired, briefly, last summer when multiple allegations of sexual misconduct came to light, and so did the $12 million he paid those women to keep quiet. While he was out, his daughter stepped up and ran the company, for a moment, alongside its new CEO, Nick Khan. That's character number three. Khan will stay leading the wrestling business after the deal goes through. Character four here, Dana White, president of UFC. He'll stay on in that role after the deal. He has a scandal all his own, 
including hitting his wife during an argument, which was captured on video. A couple disclosures here. Ari Emanuel represents a lot of famous people, including CNBC's Joe Kernan, and Peacock, NBC's streaming service, carries WWE events like WrestleMania. Okay, you're caught up? Here's Becky, Joe, and Andrew with Alex Sherman, the CNBC reporter who broke the story over the weekend. Alex, what can you tell us? Well, first of all, a bit of a surprise. I mean, I wasn't even expecting to uh, be on TV this week. You can tell by the way I'm dressed here. I'm actually on vacation. But the timing of this got accelerated. WWE uh, has been for sale for several months uh, and originally had expected to take a bunch of different bids this weekend, which was WrestleMania. Um, but Endeavor kind of jumped to the start of the line. Um, that combination between UFC and WWE will make a new merged company, I'm told, with Endeavor owning 51%, WWE owning 49%. Vince McMahon, who had stepped away from WWE, will actually stay with the company. That was one of the big selling points to him doing this deal. He'll be executive chairman of this new combined company. Ari Emanuel, the CEO of Endeavor, will stick around, lead the company. Uh, Mark Shapiro, a uh, president of Endeavor, will also play a significant role in this new combined company, which values WWE around $9.3 billion enterprise value, I'm told. You know, Alex, I think that's a key point that you brought up. I, on Friday, I was hearing that they'd be taking bids on this and that McMahon at that point had realized he may have to step away. You think that was the biggest selling point and the reason maybe there's not going to be more bids that are taking place you, on it? You know, Vince McMahon, they, WWE put out a statement a month or two ago saying Vince McMahon was open to stepping away from the company and selling it if that was the best deal for shareholders. Um, but I do think, uh, and this is both my own reporting and logic, that uh, sticking around with the company was the preferred option for Vince McMahon. Remember, WWE is basically his baby. He's been in this business now for many decades. Uh, so the idea that he would just simply walk away uh, seemed odd. Uh, this, this idea where he's basically just rolling over all WWE shareholders, just rolling over into this new company, allows him to keep going with the company. It, it, it also gives option value to his kids, of course. You know, there's a bit of a succession element going on here where Stephanie McMahon uh, had jumped in to be the CEO until very recently and had just recently stepped back. So that, you know, that, that what happens to her and her role with the company uh, remains an open question moving forward as well. Alex, what happens to Dana White, who, of course, runs uh, UFC? He was somebody that I think thought, people thought if there was ever a combination like this, he might actually uh, get the top job. That sounds like he that's keeps, nev never going to happen if, under these kind of circumstances. No, I mean, he keeps running UFC, so that's what happens to him. I, I, what, what does happen is there's a lot of really big personalities now involved in this company. Dana White is a big personality. Vince McMahon is a big personality. Ari Emanuel is a big personality. I mean, the boardroom meetings that, that I imagine that will go on with this combined company may, may be you know worth uh, televising if anybody could actually televising them. Uh, but you know, also from that front, that may have been an appeal for Vince McMahon, who had to step down from WWE, you know, maybe six months ago or so, amid uh, uh, sexual misconduct allegations. Then he came back to the company uh, to sell the company. That was the reasoning he gave. Basically, look, how can I sell this company that I'm the majority shareholder of if I'm not even involved anymore? I'm not even on the board. Right. So he came back, joined the board did this deal and now will stick around in a leadership role 
If that, uh, that, may be, that may be good news for McMahon and what he wants to do. Is it the best deal for the rest of the shareholders? Do you think there will be any lawsuits that come forth and people say, hey, this wasn't the biggest premium we could have gotten? Well, I have a feeling that it probably was the best deal for shareholders that was on the table. I mean, the from what I had heard, a lot of the other potential buyers here, which were large media companies, basically said, we're not interested. That includes our parent company, Comcast. I was told Disney said, we're not interested. Fox either didn't have a strong enough offer or wasn't interested, I was told. So look, part of this is is you just have to kind of see what's out there. WWE did that. Uh, I don't know the extent of the the Saudi Arabia uh, sovereign wealth money. Uh, that had been rumored, certainly, uh, to be interested, but there's a lot of political risk if you were to sell to the Saudis. So Endeavor may have been the smartest, safest move if you were going to go forward with a deal. And look, a $9.3 billion enterprise value on WWE is a fairly significant premium from what it was trading at before all of these sale talks began. So, Alex, so what do you think of longer term, what this means for Endeavor, the debt profile of that separate that company? Ari will be the CEO of both of these companies. How does all of that now change in a good ways or otherwise? Well, the structure of this deal allows that debt profile on UFC not to be as big of a deal because they're not paying cash. It's just an all equity rollover. So from that standpoint, it's less of an issue from what I think a lot of people thought would be a, a major hurdle to combining these two companies, which is that you just can't lever up this combined company anymore. So in this case, at least that is not an issue moving forward. There are There's a major TV rights deal coming up for WWE. Uh, it's probably going to be resolved in the next few months here. That will be a real shot in the arm from a cash standpoint for this new combined company. We'll see right now, again, our own parent company, Peacock, owns streaming rights. Uh, Fox owns broadcast rights. NBC also owns uh, other broadcast rights. We'll see if those deals are simply renewed. And if they are renewed, I would expect that renewal to come at a significant premium. And that's just for the WWE side. UFC keeps rolling along. That has been a fairly big success for Endeavor. It brought in $1.3 billion of revenue last year. Again, that's a lot more money than it was making five years ago. And Endeavor is going to try to run that same playbook that they ran with UFC with WWE, sort of the linking of we know live events, we are a big talent agency, we know talent, we know how to make stars. Obviously, Vince McMahon knows how to make stars. So at least in theory, you can see the logic. What not WrestleMania coming up? Is that where you are, Alex? You're on vacation out there? To, did you go to L.A. for, for, for WrestleMania? No. no, I'm in Florida. Okay. WrestleMania just happened. It just happened. Oh, it's uh, already uh, this, over. This past weekend, yeah. So I didn't get to see WrestleMania. Uh, so we actually we broke that story like like mid WrestleMania. I was hoping we might be brought into the plotline like real time, where, where, where they turned on CNBC for ruining the surprise that that, that we was, expected to come um, this morning. But it was I, I, I WrestleMania a week on Wheel of Fortune. I happen to know that because it comes on after Jeopardy. But it was, and and each of the contestants had a wrestling partner helping them with uh with with the the hangman i mean that that i i will say that's an energy interesting list of synergies that he just rattled off the idea that we know how to make stars we know how to do live events in the last time the last thing we talked about alex was betting yeah. on wrestlemania 
on wrestling matches where no right. one would scripted even though wrestling. it's scripted no one only a few people know yeah we, bro- we broke that story a couple weeks ago right that wwe is starting to look into the idea of gambling on scripted matches so i think that one's probably a little ways away still because there's been a decent UFC's amount of not scripted, is it? gambling company ufc but, is no you know, ufc is a long brutal. way from right. scripted yeah that's hey, uh, one, one, one last piece bleed now has has the endeavor side of the business meaning the sort of hollywood side been impacted at all, um, either client-wise or, or Hollywood stars or studios saying, you know what, we don't really like this UFC thing, um, and we may not even like, we may less like less the WWE thing, um, probably I would imagine because of McMahon himself and maybe some of these these issues. And you've seen Ari come out publicly on some pretty big, um, what might be described as like social issues around Saudi Arabia. You talked about Saudi Arabia money. And other things, and here you have these allegations uh, against uh, the guy who's going to now be his his peer. And how important are the basket of deplorables now to Ari? Ari, Ari, and the basket of deplorables do not seem like uh, a match made in heaven. I guess you know, but it's all about it's business, Sonny. So it doesn't really matter, right? I Alex? mean, I think An- Andrew's question is a real one. Assuming this deal is announced, which what we think is going to happen pre-market today. I would imagine that Ari Emanuel is probably going to make some sort of statement or comment or uh, have an interview. And, and that's a decent question for him at the time to be like, look, do you expect any pushback coming from acquiring WWE? I mean, I would imagine uh, there's probably some benefits to doing it, too. But, yeah, I would say that that at least is a feasible question that there may be a little bit of tension to bringing in a company that's run by Vince McMahon, given everything that everybody knows about Vince McMahon. But as to your point, Andrew, they also own UFC. They've been rolling along. There have been some problems with Dana White and that company, too, from sort of a right. broader No, no, there's, it, look, there's people who are very upset about both Dana White. We were talking before during the commercial break about Slap. I don't know if you will follow this this show, Slap, where they literally, like, literally, literally slap each other? they literally beat you. I mean, it is it is as terrible as terrible can get. So, like the slap challenge they used to do on TikTok, I think. Yeah, but it's the but most harder. intense. It is so intense and so upsetting to anybody. I mean, I, for me at least, but, you know. Alex, thank you for working on your vacation. Take the rest yeah, of the day Yeah, that was your, your segment, right? It's 24-7 now and your last it So, So I'm, I'm here for you. We appreciate it. That does it for Squawk Pod today. Thank you so much for listening today and always. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. And you already know this, but to get the best parts of Squawk Box right in your ears every day, follow Squawk Pod wherever you're listening now and turn on your notifications so you never miss an episode. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 